What's up, comic book fans? Anchor Pete here, and from the Lasser Cast, my other channel, I have Mr. Danny Torkel, Dr. Zayas G.O.D. How are you doing today? A uh, little tired. Uh, took a red-eye flight home from L.A. yesterday. We were on a family vacation, uh, hit up Universal Studios. We hit up the Warner Brothers tour. Uh, we did a ton of stuff. I'm exhausted. Uh, Charlotte and I actually, uh, since you name-dropped our channel, uh, Charlotte and I went to a few uh, horror shooting locations. We saw the actual Myers house uh, in Pasadena, and then we went to... Uh, we had, we actually saw the the other two houses from the original Halloween. The uh, not the Myers house. It was the Doyle house and the Wallace house from the end. Okay. And then we saw fourteen twenty eight Elm Street, uh, which is not on Elm Street. It's on uh, North Genesee uh, Avenue in L.A. Uh, and we did a couple videos from those locations: the Nightmare on Elm Street house, the Myers house. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Charlotte and I had a blast. Uh, looking at a bunch of uh, horror locations. Uh, she went with Athena to see uh, some of the Buffy sites, too, because they're big uh, Buffy fans. That's so. pretty awesome. Okay, cool, cool. Well, in case you guys are wondering what we're here to talk about today, we are talking about Raised by Wolves, Episode 5. And as you can tell from Danny's uh, little discussion about his trip, he's a big film guy, especially horror. Uh, I think he's a big sci-fi guy and over on our other channel the laster cast we're actually going to be interviewing david weiner who uh he did all the in search of darkness documentaries one two and three and he has uh in search of tomorrow which we're going to interview him next week about and so the reason why i brought that up in particular is because um they're going through all these movies from the 80s all these sci-fi movies in the 80s and Every time I see something, I keep getting these flashbacks to Raised by Wolves. I'm like, oh, okay. That kind of reminds me of Raised by Wolves over there. And it's always this kind of dark, disturbing sci-fi. And I think that's where Raised by Wolves sort of lives, in that dark, disturbing sci-fi. Would you think uh, this episode was a little bit disturbing this week, Danny? I mean, there's one scene in this episode that is full-blown horror uh you i even messaged you when i saw the thumbnail for this video that we're doing i was like you picked the right freaking thumbnail because that is uh there there's an image and there's a a character in here that it's gonna last with you when you watch it it is like we said it last week when it happened that it was like shocking and brutal but then to see what happens with that character this week Baha. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Yes. Absolutely so, insane. Yeah. So I figured that we could do what we did the last two times where we talk about like specific characters, just go through their little journey. Uh, and let's save that part for the end because that's just the fucking mind blowing crazy part. So um, I think that we should address his father and his creation, right? Because even though that's really interesting stuff, well, actually, honestly, I think Mother got the least amount of play out of everybody this episode, right? Yeah, uh, but in the, the little bit of time she had, she manages to... Uh, get, the way she forms bonds with people is very interesting. Uh, she's very condescending to Father now. Uh, you know, not giving him any... You know, uh, maybe we should reprogram you because he's spending too much time on his own. Like, she even chastises him. Oh, the rumors are you've been fighting in your spare time. <laughs> right, right, right. 
Uh, it's kind of like what I do in my spare time is my own, right? Yeah. Very yeah. typical kind of marriage fighting, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and uh, I, but as far as father goes, I, I, I love the way he, when he sees his creation and his first thought is to tell a joke and right. he goes right back to like, you know, he does go into that fatherly, you know, make a stupid joke, make everybody, you know, comfortable. And it seems to work a little bit with uh, this new creation who's just kind of chilling there for a while. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, that joke is a joke from season one, which I think a lot of people felt like they were never going to hear the punchline for. You know, the joke with the glass of milk and the cat and the black hole. And I got to say, I was pretty satisfied with that punchline there. Um, he says this other line to mother in that discussion that you just referenced that I thought was a beautiful fucking line. It was like so telling of this show where basically he said, like, I believe that we've become so human that we are not able to raise these children anymore. And I was like, that is like the nail on the head for this show, essentially. You know, it's like um, when you just think in terms of logic and you're thinking like a machine, you think about how to do things the right way. But once emotions get involved, once egos get involved, that's when things become complicated and dangerous. And I mean, that's the world that we live in right now, right? You know, we're doing this recording and I think it's, you know, I try not to bring politics and shit into what we talk about, but right now there's a fucking battle going on in the Ukraine. And yeah. I see footage from that and it reminds me of this show. And it's like, are we heading towards World War Three and the end of the world? You know, it's just craziness. And uh, I think that, and I, I know I'm kind of rambling, but that's so much of this show is like humanity had its chance. This is what it created. And now what happens moving forward? What is the next step? So what, what do you think about that, man? Uh, I mean, I, I, that's one of the main things that drew me to the show right off the bat was the idea of, you know, on both sides, you have, you know, the Mithraic and the atheists, they've both effectively given up on humanity. You know, you have the, uh, the, the overzealous religious, uh, people who everything is Saul, Saul, Saul. And then on the other side, they are equally as zealous, but towards technology, um, with whether it's mother and father, uh, mother being a converted necromancer, uh, or uh, in at the beginning of this season, the trust where effectively like just removing all decisions from humanity because we can't be trusted. And I, I think I brought this up before with this show. It, it keeps coming back to like that Asimov idea of every time they do something with robots in science fiction, it's like my first, uh, the, the number one reason I was created was to protect humans. And then always the robots realize very quickly that in order to protect humans, you need to get rid of all the humans because we're <laughs> the ones causing all the problems. That's right. Ultron uh, in the MCU. That right. is, and in the comics before that, uh, that is, the plot of iRobot, uh, which was based on an Asimov story. And I think we do start to see a little bit of it here. You know, it, a lot of it in this show, especially when mother, uh, 
is necromancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super intense, super scary stuff. And we saw a little taste of that in this episode with her when she was with uh, Cleaver, right? So Cleaver, he is in this the room where she was punishing the... Uh, um, Wow, Mithraic guy, and um, oh no, he wasn't Mithraic, the guy that she was beating up. It was no, the atheist guy. who committed the hate crime, he who's joined... now with Marcus. Yeah. Right, right, right. But she has that Cleaver guy, Tamerlan. And... I think his name is Tamerlan. I, I mean, there's so many characters on the show. It's like yeah, ridiculous. I mean, you got Paul. But she used her powers, and uh, just like her presence alone was causing him like pain, right? And uh, just looking at her, that's how powerful a necromancer is. And that just kind of goes along with this thing. It's a concept that, I mean, you mentioned Asimov, but uh, I've seen this a lot in shows I keep referencing, like Battlestar Galactica and uh, Westworld, the idea that like humans are just as programmable as machines or like we have our own routines and patterns. She And she says that to him in that scene as well, yeah. Right. Go ahead. No, it's just like... I, I love the idea because like, you know, you mentioned like, it's hard not to pay attention to work. Like if, if the technology came around today to install, you know, uh, AI to serve as world leaders. So there wouldn't be this polarization in politics and there wouldn't be, you know, uh, warfare going on and civil war and civil unrest. At, at what point, does the AI now, are they tasked to give the power back? And then it almost, it's just a continuous domino effect. Um, yep. You know, I, I joke around with my students all the time when it comes to things like the French Revolution. They, the whole idea of the French Revolution was uh, get rid of the monarchy. They're the villains. They, they take the king and Marie Antoinette and, and Louis Sixteenth. they chop their heads off. They install... Um, this, you know, brand new, the, the monarchy's gone, peace in, in France, and instantaneously they go into a reign of terror. And, <laughs> and, the, and the person who, like, personifies the French Revolution of, like, get rid of the monarchy, freedom, 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 is now, like, walking people to the guillotine to get their heads cut off for, like, violating freedom of speech laws. And it's, like, things Robespierre? like that. Yeah, Robespierre, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and of course Robespierre eventually they turn on him and he gets his head cut off. So it's it's just this continuous like basically the one thing humanity has showed us is that we are continuously flawed and yeah. uh, we need to be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting though, right? Because like and you know we've kind of gone off these tangents. We we're talking about mother and father. Now we're going off these tangents, but this is the juice of the show. This is why it's so interesting. Are you saying like, that the people watching don't want to hear about the French Revolution? <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, I'm I'm all for it, man. Comparisons like that, bring that shit up. But what I was gonna say was that uh, Aaron Gukowski, right? That's how you say his name. I think so. The creator, right? I've heard him be interviewed a couple of times now, and they always ask him the same question right off the bat of like, "What was the inspiration for this show?" Because it's an original <laughs> idea; it's not an adaptation. And he said that um, he was thinking about his children and their future. And the idea of like technology raising his children, like he was like looking at his phone and he was thinking like, this might evolve into something that could raise my children if I was to die. And I think that that's like a, the main concept of this show is like technology raising our kids because we've killed ourselves. Right. And um, 
I think though that the show has evolved and I don't know if this was always the plan from the beginning, but I think it goes along with what you're saying, which it's like, we've almost kind of like corrupted the technology and our own human characteristics are making it something new, right? It's like evolving. And I think that with like, just to bring it back to father, his creation that we keep saying that it is Saul, right? Um, like I have no idea what that is, but it's some kind of weird, like organic synthetic thing. Like it's something. And I'm wondering if like, ultimately it's going to be like this sort of like half human, half organic thing, half cybernetic thing that they're going towards. Like that's the end point, like the fusing of the two, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't and, know what the fuck that thing is. <laughs> and I like at the end of the episode, like, are we supposed to think that, now um sue is hearing the same voice that marcus heard or is the voice coming from this thing this mm -hmm. creation like I, I i keep making you know i I've, I've made the lost connection a couple times but this show to me is doing a better job of addressing things that i want to see addressed in each episode mm -hmm. and then asking questions that I want to see answered in the next uh, episode. Uh, mm -hmm. And and there's so many things like that. So, you know, we get uh, th that scene with Marcus uh, and, and his followers. Uh, we get, you know, a mother uh, and father and their interactions. And, and then, and then we're just left at the same time going, so what's now with Sue and what's yeah, yeah, yeah. with, what's with this creation that father made and 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 I, I every week like i'm i'm literally i was so tired when i got home today yeah uh and i messaged you i said what time are we recording i i put it i put this on on hbo max in my bedroom and i literally i think it took me about an hour and a half to watch a 55 minute episode because i kept falling asleep and then rewinding it and then i finally got out of bed and i just watch the whole episode again on my phone. And right. so I, I love this show to the point where like, I'm willing to, to, to battle through it when yeah. I'm like physically just worn down. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. And now, and now I'm stuck in a position where I'm like, shit, now I got to wait until Thursday night. And <laughs> yeah, well, that's the whole thing, right? And I think we should um, talk about Sue next, right? Because the stuff with Marcus, that's tied in with that oh shit scene that you were talking about. So we oh, kind of yeah. covered mother, we covered father, right? Um, Sue essentially was the other focus and it was mainly Sue trying to save Paul, right? And so he's in that weird cocoon and she just starts having visions, like you said, you know? She um, has this vision where there's this like slug thing that she goes into the room with Paul's cocoon and the slug thing is like in the room, but then all of a sudden it's inside this containment suit that she's in. And that reminded me, I mean, you've probably seen the wrath of Khan, right, Danny? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, those brain slugs that they have that Khan puts with Chekhov oh. and the other captain um, that totally reminded me of that when it was like crawling inside her suit. And then um, it, it, it was like, that was actually kind of like a horror movie too, just seeing those slugs like on the sheet that was hanging over the cocoon. And um, I kind of thought, okay, well, there's something with the ecology of this planet. And 
like the the creatures are kind of helping the people and they're hurting the people at the same time uh she kind of made the connection of after she prayed that if you use those slugs they'll help save paul and so like there's definitely some kind of like alien presence on the planet i am not sure if it's like it's another version of humanity and it's come to this planet and it's like de-evolved or if it's like a truly alien kind of well we we also kind of saw that later on where there's the the scene where marcus they 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 uncover a new church on the hill and they go down marcus goes down into this pit like lowered by this contraption and he uncovers and this scene totally reminded me uh, again i feel like we're beating a dead horse here but totally of prometheus uh where you it looked like an engineer uh laying there like like the one from alien back in 1979 right and uh and then the i forgot what exactly causes like the the reaction there's so so marcus has like oh the the tooth right Right. he has the mithraic like uh artifact artifact and it like causes this reaction where this humanoid being that is somehow still alive in this cave suddenly becomes one of the creatures from the acid ocean and so now we're left to think that all of the creatures from the acid ocean are devolved former humanoids from this planet right and uh and that goes back to sue and her whole thing with like the prayer and she has this great talk with paul at the end who is you know the the slugs end up working to cure him and they have this you know kind of intellectual discussion about is it are you praying to god or are you praying to an alien what's the difference what's the difference yeah and it reminds me of uh a George Carlin bit where he he said I'm gonna you know and it's funny because in the in the George Carlin bit he said I'm just gonna pray to the Sun because right, right. it's it's all that it's the only thing that's reliable that's gonna show up every day no matter what right. and uh, and of course you know the Sun Saul and everything but right. it, it it you know you think of even some of like the offshoot religions today scientology mormonism there's there's sci-fi elements in those religions yes and 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 you know i i was just i was on hollywood boulevard standing next to like the big church of scientology and thinking to myself like (laughs) like like people believe that they're you know you can go and get your own planet somewhere i i always confuse mormonism and scientology yeah. yeah but there's um, there's yeah but i mean l ron hubbard was all about science fiction and right. interdimensional battles so you know is religion a belief in extraterrestrials it's all all it is is believing in things that you can't actually see and yeah. you know whether you call it god whether you call it alien life whatever it is you can't see it you don't know it actually exists but you just have faith that it's there somewhere out there and right. you know and, and i thought that was a really interesting especially for an adult 
and a kid to be having right. that conversation at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Paul is super wise and he's like one of essentially like four characters that are potentially this prophesized, you know, Messiah figure, right? There's him, there's Campion, there's uh, Marcus, and then maybe like this creation that father has made this like potential Saul, you know, either one of those and maybe, oh, and even the lizard, right? Could oh, be, seven. Yeah. Right. But any one of those could be this messiah creature. Uh, I love, you know? and, and that, that reminded me of one great little back and forth with mother and father where he was like, I have not skimped on my parental responsibilities. And she's like, well, you didn't really treat number seven well. And he's like, I don't care what you do with your animal. Right, and, right, right. And he was just like, that's not my kid. That's mm -hmm. that's a friggin' giant snake monster that you made <laughs> with another robot. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and that's so bizarre too, right? Because it's almost like that's the one that you had illegitimately with another guy. You know, these are my kids over here. You know, there's all these little metaphors. But um, going along with what you were saying about religion and you referenced Prometheus, which we do every single time we talk. But it's, it's just hard not to. I mean, Ridley Scott is ever present in this show. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, because I know that like as a writer personally, I know that a lot of writers will see something and then they'll say, oh, well, I would have done this differently or I would have done this better. And then they come up with their version. And I wonder if Guzikowski, he, you know, he had that spark of like, okay, well, what if technology raises my kids? But then he's like, okay, well, Ridley Scott's involved now. I want to do my version of Prometheus because the thing about Prometheus and, and the alien movies or what Prometheus says about the alien movies is the idea that these engineers created human life on earth and that humans go to another planet to find that life. And then they find the engineers and then through all this weird kind of interactions and things infecting other things, you get like the xenomorph. And on this show, you have, like you said, a creature that is kind of like the engineer just in the tunnel for like thousands of years potentially and then it like de-evolved into a thing that's like the xenomorph i mean it's not literally a xenomorph no but it's like you have an engineer and a xenomorph right there you know i and, and i think that goes back to the idea that you know humanity is our own worst enemy is you know our need to find answers to questions that aren't necessarily answerable or that just are beyond our comprehension and our desire to find those answers very often leads to our downfall, whether it's, you know, the nuclear weapons or, you know, splitting atoms or in, in the case of, I mean, I remember Prometheus, the, the whole movie is they go because they see cave paintings and they're like, let's find where humanity comes from. And, I remember the first scene where the engineer wakes up and he just grabs and rips David's head off. And I was like, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the thing about uh, Prometheus and then Alien Covenant is that Prometheus alludes to the idea that, like, the engineers, there's something grand, there's something bigger, and they are the ones that, like, either have encountered the xenomorph or they're, like, making the xenomorph. Then in Alien Covenant, the idea is that, like, David essentially creates the xenomorph, right? And in my mind, like I said, as a writer to like make it kind of better or make it kind of work in Prometheus, they go into a cave that's very similar to the cave that Marcus is in, in this episode. And there's a xenomorph like on the wall in a picture, right? Like a cave picture. And so I took it like 
David essentially made the xenomorph, but like maybe that's sort of like um, it, that's a thing that you would imagine, or if you middle around with the stuff, you would make this that like it is sort of this like evil, this thing that he essentially brought into the world as this like perfect killer. And I think that there's just like so much overlap with that idea and this show of like kind of what we're imagining as our religion and like what's evil and what's uh, God and then like making it into the real world using technology and engineering, you know? So it's crazy shit. I mean, that actually brings us up to the, the scene, that crazy fucking scene. So we've already kind of talked about that xenomorph creature, which Marcus dispatches just by shooting it in the head. But that's all happening while there is total insanity happening on the surface, right? Do you want to describe that for our viewers? So Marcus gets lowered in this, like, you know, you pull the chain, you have to reach your arm into the uh, the hole in the, the church, and, and apparently there's a lever that lowers this, like, uh, seated ball uh, that connects to a chain, and it lowers him down into this hole where you see, like, a snake, serpent monster skeleton in there, which I thought was really cool. The right. production design on this show is freaking amazing. Incredible. Um, yeah. But, so yeah, so Marcus goes into the cave and he encounters this, you know, we'll, for, for our purposes, we'll call him an engineer type person. While that's happening, the other Mithraic are up there in the rain, praying in a circle. And all of a sudden, you see one of them get like, hit in the back with something. You don't know what it is, but you see blood is starting to pool and Vril, who is barely a little girl anymore, she has like the, the just the shredded ro uh, remains of like robot face, right. uh, and which is now probably one of the scariest things I've ever seen. And right. she goes on a rampage, brutally stabbing and murdering. Every remaining Mithraic, except for Holly, right? That's her name, Holly? Holly is the girl that was with mother and father. Yeah. 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 Uh, who who hid. All right. the other Mithraic, especially like the, the High Council, is just brutally murdered. Like, hand cut off, shot in the head, uh, throat sliced slowly, uh, arms and necks broken in terrible ways. And yeah. it all, and, and then it ends with her chasing down Decima, who is her mother, right. and basically saying, "I want you to feel what I felt." And she, and as Marcus eventually makes his way back up, mm -hmm. it's like blood is dripping on his head, and he looks up, and Decima is hanging there from the chain, dead, with her face slashed like completely off. My God, what a scene. And uh, she's still around. So I'm like, yeah. and and this is a character who I feel like what's going to happen when uh, she encounters Campion and Paul again? Because yeah. she was on their side, especially right. Campion, who she had like this like little android human kind of like flirty relationship with and i'm like right. what's gonna happen when they see her what she's become uh and now with her like 
attitude change. I don't even know what you call it. I mean, she's an android, but my right, God. Right. Uh, this was one of the, you know, like when people say uh, genre, you know, when people say, oh, we work in genre films or genre shows, and they typically mean anything that is like horror, sci-fi, fantasy. Correct. This scene is perfect genre uh, filmmaking, TV making, whatever you want to call it, because this was a sci-fi show about, you know, we've seen killer robots, you know, 1984, Terminator. We, we've seen killer robots our entire lives. I've right. never seen anything like this. And it was right. legitimately terrifying. Like I was in bed and I'm like half asleep watching this the first time. And that scene comes, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. To the point where like, I was like, Pete better put this as the thumbnail on today's video. And you did without me having to say, so great job. But I was just like, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I wanted to like message you and be like, oh my God, you see that scene or wait till you see the scene. But I also wanted it to be like completely shocking because it is very shocking. It, it goes from, you know, they're having their little, you know, meeting or whatever. They're all praying. And then all of a sudden it's a horror movie. It legitimately is a horror movie, like you said. And, and one thing that you didn't mention was that um, Decima gets in the tank and she's driving away. And it's very reminiscent of so many horror movies after you have one of these kind of like slaughter scenes where all the main characters get taken out. If we're going to reference Alien and Prometheus and stuff, it is just like in Aliens. There's a couple of scenes like it where there's like um, when, uh, what's his face? Paul Reiser, Burke, he's able yep. to get away and he hides and he thinks he's safe. And then he turns around and there's the alien, right? Or uh, when all the colonial Marines get taken out and then there's the pilot and, and the other guy on the ship. And then the pilot turns around and the alien's gotten on the ship. That's very much like that scene with Decima and Viril on the tank where you see Viril and, it's, and she's out of focus and she just kind of slinks down. That is a straight up horror movie. And yeah. her face is like something out of like a 1970s horror movie. Just like super, super intense and scary. I and think it was, it, it, I, I think it reminds me of the movie poster or like the VHS box of Westworld um, right. where it was Yul Brenner. Right. That Westworld was, I know there's the show, which I haven't watched, um, but the, the original movie I think was with Yul Brenner and he plays like the cowboy Android and the VHS box just had like the, it had Yul Brenner standing there like with a gun. And then it was like Yul Brenner again, but this time his face was open and it was like the robot face on the inside. Right. right and right. that's what that scene creeped the hell out of me. Uh, that, that box creeped the hell out of me. And this scene was, yeah. 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 There, there's uh, quite a few like scenes like that in comics and then in, in cartoons uh, in Batman, the animated series of all places, there was like a cyborg kind of intelligence called Hardak. And there were these robot copies of people. And there is at least one scene or I think multiple scenes where like the face gets kind of pulled away. and It's got that cyborg, you know, the big bulging eyes, you know, go ahead. I, I mean, uh, Chris and I have said this many times. The scariest scene in any movie ever made is yeah. the end of Spy uh, is the end of Superman three. And when that woman gets like caught in the machine and becomes the robot and her eyes glow, 
my God, that is nightmare fuel. I'm going to be 40 years old. Still, to this day, gives me nightmares. Well, I got I to gotta warn you, Danny, because we are watching that In Search of Tomorrow, uh, in Search of Tomorrow uh, documentary. It is like five hours plus. But that scene, they show that fucking scene when they talk about Superman 3. So Wonderful. I, I'm only up to 1982. My Wi-Fi wow. wasn't working on the uh, plane, so I was stuck. Yeah. Uh, I, I made it about an hour in uh, at the airport. And then once we got on the plane, I was in dead silence. Yeah. 1982, the year that I was born and also the year of like, the best science fiction movies ever, right? Yeah, I mean, if you yeah. like The Thing and Blade Runner and E.T., I mean... Yeah, into those movies. Yeah, but, some um, minor films. Well, speaking of the, the sort of the skeleton face of an android, too, if you guys, because, you know, we keep pushing uh, In Search of Tomorrow, you guys should definitely check that out on the Laster cast. Um, they talk about Terminator, and this is a little spoiler because you're not up to 1984 yet, but they talk about how uh, the T-180, the Arnold, you know, Terminator. T-800, right? T-800, right. What the fuck? I got T-1000. T-800, thank you. Um, that, like, the actual skeleton face of it is based on Arnold. Like, they put a cast on Arnold's face. And, like, those are, that's Arnold's teeth that the teeth are modeled after, too. So, you know, we've obviously seen this sort of peeled away face. And it's such a disturbing thing. I think that raised by wolves just goes the next step by making it on essentially like a, like a, what, like a teenage or not even teenage girl. Right. So, yeah. So there's that slaughter. And then once again, we're left with Marcus and, you know, we've talked about this before where on the show roles change, things flip on a dime. He had this growing congregation. Now it's just down to him and Holly, you know, and it just keeps flipping he's there and we know that father's heading towards him with one of the original mithraic lucius lucius thank you so much yeah so we don't know what's going to happen there probably someone will get killed or father will get killed again and brought back to life um but the episode itself ends with this scene with sue and she's having those voices in her head could you make out what they were saying i couldn't i i i I, they were loud enough to hear, but not, it, not, I didn't hear specific words. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't really tell. I, I thought they said Mary at one point, which that was her original name before she changed her face. Oh yeah. I think that the voice said that to her. I'm not sure, but it's very interesting because obviously this has happened to Marcus and it's turned him into a believer and a radical. And then now it's happening to Sue who for the most part, I mean, you've said this yourself that she's sort of like the most relatable character on the show or like the most rational character. So for her to be having these voices in her head, that's a scary thing. Yeah. I, but also, uh, you know, she's, you're also getting it from like the parent perspective uh, where, you know, if, if a miracle happened to save my kid or your kid, it would change the way we felt about, you know, it would probably instill us with a, a certain level of faith that we might not have had before. And so uh, something is talking to her. And, and it's, again, it's, you know, we, we've heard about a signal. We don't know if it's uh, father's new friend. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a lot of potential uh, suitors for who's speaking. Yes. So with that being said, I think uh, Danny and I have wrapped up our discussion of episode five of five. Uh, 
raised by wolves. It was entitled King, which uh, there's a lot of potential kings in this episode. But uh, we'll be here next weekend to talk about episode six. Uh, our discussion of In Search of Tomorrow won't be popping up until two weeks from now. But I highly recommend that documentary. If you ever want to see our interviews with David Weiner, you can always still go over to the Lastercast channel and watch our interviews about In Search of Darkness. But yeah, Danny, I am totally down for talking to you next week. Definitely. Oh, voice. Oh, oh, look at this. Hey, Bruce, way to come in at the last minute, buddy, and give us what we were looking for. Voice asks Mary to plant seeds for the tree for payment. Well, holy shit. I can't believe I missed that. Thank you, Bruce. And thank you for watching. To if be fair, are... my wife my wife was in bed sleeping, so I, I couldn't have the volume all the way up. <laughs> right, right, right. And I watched the thank show you, on the like I watch it on my laptop, I watch it on the treadmill, I watch it on my phone sometimes. So like I, just, I was like, what the fuck is it saying? But yeah. yeah, thank you, Bruce. If you guys have not liked and subscribed, please do. We always love comments and more conversation from you guys. Um, but one last thing I will say is that Brian and I, since Peacemaker's not on and uh, Moon Knight's not out yet, Brian and I are going to actually be talking about another HBO Max show, Doom Patrol. Euphoria. Oh. No. Euphoria, yes. Doom Patrol and then Euphoria together, yes. Two middle-aged white guys with beards talking about euphoria. That sounds right. So anyway, we'll, we'll see you guys next uh, Sunday or Saturday for more Raised by Wolves. <laughs> Thanks.